Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Back in 19, I love church history, I love revival history, but back in, in 1992, Mark DuPont prophesied that there would be like a Niagara Falls happen in Toronto. And 18 months later, there was an outpouring. I text my wife in worship this morning. I said, I feel like I'm, we're in this season right now. Friends, don't, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Amen? What God is doing here is, is, is just incredible. It's just so powerful. There's nothing like His presence. Amen? And, and we can easily just go, oh, it's just another Sunday. I want to encourage you. Value. Steward. Protect what God is doing amongst this place because it's, it's special. It's special. It's special and, and I, can't, I can't encourage you enough. And never compare. Comparison is the thief of joy. Because what God is doing here, He can't do anywhere else because you're not anywhere else. What God is doing here, He can't do anywhere else because you're not anywhere else. Amen? And so, Father, what are you doing here? What He's doing is what are you doing? And we are being intentional to, to connect with. We're being intentional to, to be intentional. We're in connect, intentional to be purposeful. And at all times, have the insight to know that God is doing not just something around me, but He's doing something in me. Always. God's always on the move. Amen? And sometimes that move breaks out into the, into the natural, but He's always on the move. And so I want to encourage you, purpose yourself. Purpose yourself to, to realize that God is doing something. And we'll continue to do something, not just in this place, but around. Amen? That you are a move of God. We're a meeting place of God 24-7. Doesn't just, doesn't just happen here. What is happening here? We get to see, and we get to see wherever we go. Amen? But today, I'd love to talk with you. For those that, that don't know me, my name is Gary Morgan. As you can tell from my accent, I'm from Tasmania. Um, I'm joking. I'm from Wales. Wales originally been here for nearly 13 years now uh, in Melbourne. There's no, other, there's no other place on the planet like Melbourne, is there? Thank God for Melbourne. I love it. Good wine, good coffee, good food. Great people. Why would you want to go anywhere else? And so I am so thankful for this, this place. Me and Sarah had the privilege of, of pastoring a church for nearly nine years. And then uh, back in 2017, the Lord transitioned us really into a place of focusing more on uh, something God started with us in 2016, and that was School of Prophets. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of people ask me all the time, Gary, what's School of Prophets? Well, if I could say it like this, it's the intentionality of raising a, up a company of people who will represent the Father's heart well, that will contradict prophetic ministry of judgment, of control, and of, of chastisement, but we would be a people who represent His heart well. Amen? 
And so if you want more information about School of Prophets and, and social media and all that, then just check out the, the link the beautiful people are going to put up behind me. There it is. You can just check out all the information. I don't want to spend this morning talking about that. But this morning, I want to speak about the power of encouragement. Amen? I want to speak about the power of encouragement. What is the power of encouragement? A power of encouragement is to bring people not into a place of arrival, but to champion them on a journey. Encouragement doesn't just welcome someone home. Encouragement encourages, empowers, and enthuses someone on the area of their journey in God. Amen? And encouragement is, is the wind in someone's sails. Encouragement is the fuel in someone's tank. Encouragement has the ability to cause someone to be something they never thought they could be. Amen? And so people love the prophetic. I love the prophetic. And one of the things I love about the prophetic is that the prophetic has the ability to change a person's heart and atmosphere like that. It is the ability to shift someone's narrative, the theme song upon someone's life. It is the ability to cause something to happen that wasn't there before. And one thing I love about the prophetic is we, you know, have the ability to impact people's lives, to see transformation happen in a moment. I'll tell you, one prophetic word over someone's life can absolutely change. You know, many people are thinking, well, Gary, are you talking about being called out in a meeting? Well, that's part of it. Well, are you talking about the incredible prophetic words I've received in my life? That's part of it. But friend, one of the things I love, as I said, you know, if we're going to understand what an oak tree is, we have to understand what an acorn is. And we might admire the, the oak tree, but God starts us with an acorn. I remember years ago saying, God, give me an oak tree. And I held up my hand and he put an acorn in my hand. And I'm like, I didn't ask for an acorn, I asked for an oak tree. And you know, one of the things I realized about God, God is not just a God of promise, he's a God of process. God is a God of process. And I realized God is not just a God of the scene, he's a God of the seed. And if I want to see something, I've got to seed something. Well, God, 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 God wants to just do it. I want to do it in my life. Friends, I, I love McDonald's moments. Amen. I love the, the fast, the, the heart. But I also as well, I love the degas station meals as well. Amen. They're meals when you're there for about four or five hours and they just keep coming. And they just keep coming. You're like, I'm not, and you know, they're big plates but small sizes. I remember when I first came to this nation, you know, I thought Sophia's was the best place you could go. <laughs> quality, not just quantity, but quality as well. Until one friend said, Gary, that is just nothing compared to what can happen. Let me take you out to somewhere. So we went out for dinner one night and and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm waiting, and, and all of a sudden, they bring this massive plate. And I could see him carrying this massive plate, and I'm thinking, oh, this is it. This is my dream come true. And all of a sudden, he set it down. And there was something that size with this green thing that just went over the top. The spirit of poverty on a plate. I looked at the guy, and I'm like, I'm going to rebuke the spirit of poverty of this guy's life. What the heck? It's like, there's the plate. What are you offering me? God, I didn't sign up for this. Take me back to Sophia. So I'm thinking, 
But by the end of that, I realized I was stuffed because it just kept on. How many people know he's a God of more than enough? And I realized in that moment that if I wanted to see something in my life, I had to see something. It begins not in in what we think is, is the massive. It begins in the mission. It begins in what we can't see. And I realized if you want to see something, you've got to see it. You see, God is the God of process. If God is not a God of process, then Jesus would have come as a man, not as an embryo. If I was writing scripture, I would, I would have sort of began at that entry of the baptism. That would have been phenomenal. Just imagine, you know, got, kind of got Peter Jackson kind of do the, the, the sort of scene. You know, that kind of music from Lord of the Rings. All of a sudden, Jesus starts walking towards the water. That would have been the perfect entrance. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That would have been an amazing entry for Jesus' ministry. But he didn't come as a man. He came as an embryo. Why? Because God is a God of process, not just a God of promise. And friends, I love prophecy. I love words of knowledge. I love, you know, discernment and wisdom and, and, and all that. But I realized all that is the fruit of one thing. And it's the, it's the fruit of encouragement. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all this is going to be added. Let me take that truth and apply it like this. Seek first to encourage, and all these other things are going to be added to you. Discernment, knowledge, wisdom, and prophecy. Seek first to encourage. And the power of encouragement is something that is is not just something we've got to learn. It's something that we can just step out in. Amen? Am I speaking to somebody? We are living in a culture of complaint. Okay, not me. Everything's great. No, it's not. We live in a culture of complaint. And I choose, I've postured myself to counteract the culture of complaint. How do you do that, Gary? When I go out and eat, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, they bring the first course. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I put my hand up. The waitress comes over. Is everything okay? Yeah. Can I see the manager, please? And you can see their face. I say, can I see the manager? Everything okay? Can I see the manager, please? I don't say a thing. And all of a sudden, the manager starts walking over. And you can see they're already waiting. And the guy comes over, and I say, can I just say something to you? And he's like, okay. I said, you are always called when something's wrong. I said, but today I've called you because something's amazing. This food is off the charts. I said, I want to tell you right now, this is incredible. The service has been phenomenal. I said, the food is incredible. I said, I want to encourage you right now because you're always called when something's wrong, but I've called you because something's right. And the guy starts crying. Why? Because I've countercultured a culture of complaint and sown a seed of encouragement. It changes an atmosphere. It changes a person. You see, we could have been here this morning. And we could have stood there, as amazing as the worship, but friend, there's something within our humanity that always has to pick something too loud. 
Didn't do my song this morning. Well, that was a bit rushed. Could have lingered a bit. Aren't I glad you ain't the pastor? Am I glad you ain't in leadership? Amen? Because I want to tell you right now, there is something within our humanity that always has to pick something. Even when we see people, straight away, there is a, there is a kick reaction for us to, I want to warn that. Ooh. She's got the COVID consumption. She's got the COVID Middle East. That's what I call it. I call it my Middle East. Iraq is invading Iran, amen. But it's the same as we always have to pick something. And the thing is, it's it's the culture of complaint. And God wants us to be a people who start sowing seeds of encouragement. Because when you begin to sow the seeds of encouragement, you begin to overcome and you begin to counter the seeds of complaint that grow up into weeds instead of fruit. Am I speaking to somebody? You see, it's easy for us to be a people of complaint, but God wants us to be a people of encouragement. What does it look like? You see, why do I love going to America? Because I feel the best person on the planet when I go to the States. And we as Aussies, you know, we think it's a bit sick. When you walk in a restaurant, like, sir, how are you today? You're looking amazing. Yes, I am. I love it. When I first went to America, I thought everyone was too nice. I thought everyone was too loving. When I first met an American friend of mine, I either thought this guy is either a flaming homosexual or there's something wrong with him. Because he was all love and all feely and all, oh, dude, you're so amazing. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> no one can be that nice. There's something, you, you're wanting something. No. There's a culture that they've chosen. You see, in America, when someone sees a president, well, it might not be the same now, but let me go back. Five years ago, in America, when someone sees the president, they don't say, I'm going to take him out. They say, I want to be like that guy. I'm going to do everything I can to be like him. It seems in our Aussie, British, whatever culture of colonialism, when we see someone in power, we don't say we'll do everything to be like them. We say we'll do everything we can to be where they're at, even if it means taking them down. Am I speaking to someone? You see, God wants us to have a culture of joy and celebration, not a culture of Judas and criticism. For too long, we've criticized instead of encouraged. And if we want to move powerfully in the things of the Spirit, God is requiring of us. God is inviting us. God is is asking us, would we be seed bearers of encouragement, not a seed bearer of criticism. Now, my favorite fruit on the planet is the strawberry. I love strawberries. Gary, why do you love strawberries? Because they're the only fruit with the seeds on the outside. God wants us to be a people who carry out seeds on the outside, that we're forever just sowing into people's lives encouragement. So I want to encourage you this morning. What does it look like for you to go to a restaurant? What does it look like for you to go to Coles? 
and you encourage the person, it's going to feel awkward. I agree. It's going to feel weird. I agree. But you see, when you build a habit, you create a habitation. When you build a habit, you create a habitation. And friends, I want to say this to you, and and this is something I I just wrote down, and I was like, God, I I want to get to that place. If getting rid of problems is is like pulling up weeds, then growing in purpose is like planting seeds. Let me say it again. If getting rid of problems is like pulling up weeds, then bringing purpose into your life is like planting seeds. And this is the key, is again, we can go through life pulling up, pulling up. Now, me and Sarah, we see weekly a counselor. Gary, you can't say that in church. Yes. I weekly, every Thursday, I see a counselor. Why do you do that? Because I can't be my best on my own. Yeah? People at the top of their game have a doctor, a counselor, a life coach, a man, all this stuff. And we think as leaders and pastors, oh, no, we got the Holy Spirit. It's okay. I don't need to deal with my stuff. Yes, we do. We, yes, we do. And so every week you see a counselor. And this past week, I sat down and I said, John, I said, I've hit a roadblock. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, we've dealt with this, and we've dealt with this, and we've dealt with this. And we, ah. He said, that's your roadblock. I said, what do you mean? I said, I haven't even explained to you. He said, no, I know what your roadblock is. He said, Gary, you're living in a place of pulling up weeds, but you're not sowing anything to replace them. You're in a place of constantly dealing with things, but you're not in a place of being healed in things. And you see, this is what happens. Friends, you're my heart. If I go out for food and it's a bad meal, I call the manager. And Sarah goes to the car while I do that. (laughs) Because I want him, but I don't do it, hey, this sucks. I do it in a way, hey, this is what I believe about you. This is what I see in this place. I encourage, and then I explain my experience. You see, being an encourager doesn't mean you deny a problem. You just deny its influence. Am I speaking to somebody? We don't live, in issue, we don't live issueless. My counselor said to me, Gary, if you've got a perfect marriage, you need to get divorced. He said, every, every relationship has to have tension. Because if it hasn't got tension, then it ain't moving. Because things only move in tension. Am I speaking to someone? See, it's not about, it's not about the, the argument. It's about the regroup. And this is what we've got to learn in the, in the culture of encouragement, in the culture of prophecy. I'm not denying a problem. I'm just denying its influence. You see, I can acknowledge my situation, but I don't have to accept it. Amen? Am I speaking to somebody? You see, the word encourage comes from the the French word. Let's get French this morning. It comes from the French word 
No, it doesn't. It comes from the French word. It's got some le, le, le at the end of it. But it means to give heart. It means to give heart. It means for me to give my heart to you. To give heart. So what does that mean? It means that my life force, what is causing me to live, I'm going to give to you so that you can live. You see, I'm not giving my words that are bringing down. I'm giving my heart that's causing something to live. So when we encourage, we're giving life. You see, to encourage a community, to encourage this place, is giving heart to this place. And so if you think, oh, I'm not feeling much life today. How about trying to sow it so you can reap it? I remember once, this is a story. A friend in ministry was asked to, it was brought this woman, and she's sort of standing there at the end of the conference, and this woman came up and, with this other lady and said, oh, she's got, the, she's got depression. She, needs, she needs, uh, needs prayer. So this person, the minister, turned around and said, um, okay, I'll get, that, get to that in a minute. But could, could you, points to the woman with depression and says, could you just encourage this lady next to you? And she's like, I can't, I've got depression. He goes, I'll get to that in a minute, but could you just encourage her? Just, just encourage her with something. And so she's like, um, I like, I like what you're wearing. It's really nice. He's like, great, that's good. Now, can you encourage this guy? She's like, I've got depression. I can't. Now, friends, you're my heart. I, I, I hope you know my heart in this. Amen? And so she's like, oh, I love how you are with your kids. You're really, really such a good dad. But you're also a good husband. And all of a sudden, this encouragement starts getting longer. She goes to the next person, starts getting longer, goes to the next person. After about five people, all of a sudden, she's in tears, and she's just telling these people what she loves about them. And all of a sudden, she realizes she's no longer depressed. Because encouragement is the enema of religion. Amen? Encouragement is the enema of self-centeredness. You're my heart, this clinical depression, I understand that. But sometimes we just blocked up with ourselves. Am I speaking to somebody? Yeah. Whew, can you say that in church? Yes, I can. And God is inviting us to be a people of encouragement, even when we don't feel like it. Because sometimes you can't feel it, you've got to faith it. And friends, when my brother took his life in 20, 2008... And I went into a numb place, and I went into a place that felt so lonely, felt so isolated. I realized that no one could get me out of that place, only myself. And I sought for six months to, instead of doing it's all about me, I decided to find every person who had lost someone to suicide, and I began to pray for them. I began to prophesy over them. I began to declare the goodness of God in their life, and it shifted something in my life. Because you can either be a victim or you can live in victory. You can either break down or you can break through. It's your choice. Amen? It's all about what you listen to. Let me tell you a story. There were four frogs hopping along in the, in the forest one day and all of a sudden two fell down into a pit. And the two other frogs were looking down and saying, it's too deep, you're going to die. You're too deep, and the, the two of them were trying to jump out and jump out. And, 
And all of a sudden, they kept saying, it's too deep, you're going to die. Silly people, you should have kept your eyes open. It's your fault. And all of a sudden, the two are still trying to jump out. Well, sadly, one of them died. But the other one kept jumping, kept jumping. And, and the more he kept jumping, the, the people, the two frogs at the top were like, you're going to die. It's too deep. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just jumps out of the hole. And the two frogs at the top turned to him and said, didn't you hear us? And the frog said, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm hard of hearing. I thought you were encouraging me. <laughs> we need to become deaf to criticism and acutely hearing to encouragement. We need to become deaf to discouragement and we need to become acutely aware of those that are encouraging our lives. Am I speaking to somebody? Amen? God is inviting us to be a people of encouragement. Now let's make this meeting legal and turn to some scripture. Amen? If you've got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 10. How do we become a culture of encouragement? Verse 24. I love this. We're in the New King James Version. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Consider one another. Another translation says, let us encourage one another. Let's pour in. Let's give each other a heart. You know, we're good on, we're good on Instagram and we're good on social media, heart, heart. How many people when you were on, you know, streaming, were you hitting our heart button like a, you, you, like a pinball machine? It's like, I'm going to win something from this church if I'm going to die. I'm going to get something. You know, we're smacking our heart, and it's like, we're good on social media, but what is it like in life? I just wish I could go around and go, like, 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 like. What does it look like every day when we meet people, when we come and assemble together and walk up to someone and give them the proverbial like? Because we do it on social media. And I'm not going to even talk about that. That's a whole other message or series in itself. But what does it look like for us to give each other the proverbial like when we see each other? Just to go, I'm going to say something that's going to like your button or going to hit your like button. I'm going to say something that's going to cause something to rise up in you that wasn't there before. Consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the end days approaching. So much more. This is what the writer of Hebrews is inviting us. Guys, don't just encourage each other, but guess what? I want you to increase this as the days progress, because we're getting into darker days. And your encouragement is going to mean everything. When we become a culture of encouragement, it changes the world. Now, along with encouragement, there's something else that's powerful. And I call it the gift of acknowledgement. Also known as donkey from Shrek, amen? Every one of us wants to be picked. Guaranteed. 
Everyone wants us to be, there's something within inside us. And guys, everyone says, oh, when they pick, oh, I'm so embarrassed. No, you're not. You just don't know how to handle being seen. Shyness and awkwardness are just fruits of an area of your heart that hasn't found freedom in identity. If you don't know what it is to be encouraged or, or be acknowledged, and you're like, oh, we have to learn what it is to be acknowledged. We have to learn what it is to be celebrated. When someone at the end, hopefully it'll happen today, comes up and says, that was great. Oh, no, praise God, praise God. No, it's all Jesus. That's called false humility. When we deflect encouragement, it reflects our inability to be celebrated. Deflecting encouragement reflects a part of our heart that hasn't found freedom. Because it ain't pride. What it is, is you can't be celebrated. And God wants us to be a people who can't, don't just celebrate, but know how to be celebrated. And I guarantee our inability to celebrate comes out of our inability to be celebrated. Because you can't give what you haven't got. Am I speaking to somebody? And Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Encourage your neighbor as you encourage yourself. All these scriptures I love are tools for us to, to lay hold of and live by. But I love what the writer of Hebrews says is exhorting one another and even more as the day progresses. Now there's another verse I'd love us to, to jump into and that's 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Again, I love this because it gives context. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just so as you're also doing. They were great. Thessalonica was awesome and encouraging. And Paul's like, guess what? Just keep doing what you're doing. Friends, what does it look like for us to be a people of unreserved encouragement? That we don't just get awkward and we don't just get uncomfortable, but we can't help but encourage each other. It's going to change culture. Yeah. Encouragement and acknowledgement shifts an atmosphere. It's something I love doing. A friend came over from Dubai once, and we decided to go to, to the mall. This is when we were living down in Berwick, and so we went to Fountain Gate. And as we walk into Fountain Gate, we're walking through, and some of the sh- you know, places in the middle or some of the shops, I'm like, hey, how's it going? And the guy's like, and so we keep walking. And another person, I'm like, hey, how you doing? Great to see you. And we keep walking. And again, I'm like, hey, good to see you. You're awesome. And all of a sudden, Warren, who's with me, he turns and he said, dude, do you know any of these people? I'm like, no. <laughs> and we went on a bit more, and I'm, I just turned to a guy. I said, hey, good to see you. Hope you're well. And I keep walking. All of a sudden, the guy runs up, and he's like, do I know you? That was perfect timing. I said, no. I said, but you're going to. And he's standing there and he's like, okay. And so then I just begin to tune in to God. Like, God, what do you want to do with this person? What do you want to say to this person? How do you want to encourage this person? Because I didn't approach him. He's approached me. And that's the thing, is when it comes to evangelism, love, love, and keep on loving people until they ask why. 
Encourage, encourage, and keep on encouraging until they ask why. You see, this is the thing, is I never ask people, do they know Jesus? Because that's a question. Jesus was never the question. He was always the answer. Let me say it again. I don't ask people, do they know Jesus? Because that's a question, and Jesus has never been the question. Jesus has always been the answer. And so when this guy comes up to me, he's like, uh, and I said, do you know me? I said, no, I don't know you. And all I said to him was, whatever's going on with your job right now, God's got it. And his eyes just went wide. And he said a word in earthly tongues, which I can't announce in this place. <laughs> Ends with me. And then walks off. Now, did I see that person? No, I didn't. Did I seal the deal? Gary, you've got to understand the multi-level marketing principles of Scripture. No, they are not multi-level marketing. It's not signing up people to the plan. Amen? Evangelism is not signing people up to a plan. Evangelism is what Paul said. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. That day, I was a cedar or I was a waterer. But God's going to give the increase. I tell you, many of us right now are going to get to heaven and we're going to see people that we've encouraged, people we've loved on, people we've smiled at. We're going to see them in heaven because you were part of the narrative of salvation. We've got to get out of this stinking thinking. We've got to seal the deal. No, you don't. Most people are turned off Christianity because we see them as a statistic instead of a heart. And the power of encouragement is a power of sowing a seed or watering a seed, but God's going to give the increase. And if we're going to change the world, friend, we've got to change the room. If we're going to change the world, we're going to change the room. And the moment that we change what encouragement, what prophecy has all been about, friend, we're going to change how people encounter God. Am I speaking to somebody? Let me land with this. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, I love what Paul so beautifully gives us as, as, the seed, as the seedbed of encouragement. Verse 2, it begins with, you know, he who prophesies, he who speaks in tongues speaks what? Edification to himself. But he who prophesies speaks encouragement, strength, and comfort to others. So I love this, that, that God has already set it up. What you're going to sow, you've already got. So I'm going to spend every morning I get up. So stirring myself up. Why? Encouraging myself. Because I can't give what I haven't got. And from that moment of encouragement, I get to live out of the overflow of that and encourage others. Why? Because I'm encouraged. Most of us, don't live in Botox, live in blessing, we live in Botox, amen? We're trying to pump every morning to try and get a mask on that people are going to believe. They don't. People know when you're not encouraging, amen? And so I'm going to find that place of encouragement. And then 1 Corinthians 14.3, I'm going to find others I can encourage. I'm going to find others. How can I do that? Simply by being purposeful. When I see someone, I'm going to encourage them. Well, Gary, it doesn't feel powerful when I, I just say, hey, I really like what you're wearing today. Guys, that's encouragement. I fear in church today, we have professionalized something that God wants us to be so simple at. 
How many people remember when they first got saved? You didn't care. You didn't care what you told people. You didn't care who knew. You didn't care what, what people thought. When someone came up to you and said, hey, I, I just want to encourage you. God, give me a verse for you. And you're like, yeah? John 3, 16. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Thank you. All of a sudden, we get Pentecostal or Pentecostal, and all of a sudden, someone comes up. Hey, I want to encourage you. Why? I've been praying for you this week. Why? Nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Okay, really frantic, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Amazing. We get, we get suspicious. We get suspicious. Like someone, I'm praying for you. Why? I don't need prayer. Yes, I do. Give it. To, when someone comes up and you say, I go, give it to me, please. Get my phone. Please, please. Because, friends, we can't live in suspicion. When I say to my son, buddy, I got sweets for you. He doesn't go, which kind? Why are you giving me sweets? Because I love you. I want to see you built up. Amen? And so when Paul tells us, he who prophesies speaks encouragement, strength, and comfort. It's doing something. I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to imagine you're sitting in front of a computer. And in the top left-hand corner, there's a button. What is that button? What is the button? Top left-hand corner. It's the escape button. What's, what letters are on that escape button? ESC. Encouragement, strength, and comfort. When you encourage someone, you are pressing the escape button upon their life so they get out of the prison of hopelessness, they get out of a, a place of disappointment, they get out of a place of discouragement, and you're bringing them into a place of purpose. Am I speaking to somebody? When we find encouragement, we press something powerful upon someone's life. Now, Gary... I'm all for encouraging, but how do we strengthen and comfort? Well, let me say it like this. The way you strengthen and comfort is you encourage. You can open your eyes now if you want, unless you're sleeping. You encourage and God takes care of the strengthening and comforting. So, friends, what does that look like? It's seeking to sow the seeds of encouragement in every area of your life. Husbands, encourage your wives. Wives, encourage your husbands. Gary, the Bible doesn't say that. It says submission. Don't get me started. <laughs> encourage. Parents, encourage your children. Glean out of a place of realizing that you are finding the balance between a place of discipline and delight. That if I ever point out a problem in Tobias's life, I make sure I undergird it with a destiny word or something of purpose of who I know he is. Buddy, you're not a liar. You just lie to me. But you're a boy of truth. I know you as a boy of truth. I'm raising you as a boy of truth. You didn't need to lie. But you're a boy of truth. When we see each other, someone's hurt us. What you said hurt me. But I know you're a person of love. We speak to the destiny. We don't speak to the discretion. Am I speaking to somebody? 
Pastor, you didn't call me this week, but I know you're a busy man. Am I speaking to somebody? Come on. We all get through these phrases and places, but for us to truly change culture, it's going to begin in the room. It's got to begin in the room. We've got to be a people of encouragement. What does it look like? What does it look like right now for us to go crazy this week and every day text someone and encourage them? What does it look like for us to encourage someone to, to literally be public with our encouragement? What does it look like for us to be purposeful with our encouragement? What does it look like next time we, we go and get our coffee, we encourage the barista? Man, that coffee I had last time was off the charts. It was awesome. You see, some of us are getting even uncomfortable with them words. Gary, you can't use that word. Only God's awesome. That's what someone used to tell me. You'll be careful using that word awesome. Only God's awesome. No, 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 no. If God made everything, then everything's awesome. Amen? Lego! Everything is awesome. And so, friends, I'd love us if we can to stand right now. Because I want to pray and declare. Can I get someone on the keyboard? I'd love it. What is it to be awesome? What is it to encourage? What is it to find ourselves in a place where God is lifting us up? You see, before... God even created he spoke let there be and I want to speak over this house right now let there be a tangible environment I want to prophesy right now that this place would see a climate of encouragement that there would be a climate of encouragement. That when people walk into this place, all of a sudden something happens because they've stepped into an atmosphere of encouragement. They've stepped into an atmosphere that is, is beyond human reasoning. They've stepped into an atmosphere that's beyond intellect and it hits them right in the heart. Father, we speak encouragement to our hearts. Friends, I want us right now start speaking in, in your heavenly language right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're releasing right now. In Jesus' name. 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 I want to decree this. Let's decree this together. I am a seedbed of encounter whose seeds are encouragement, whose purpose is encouragement, whose mandate is encouragement. And I'll seek and I'll partner with your spirit, God, to change atmospheres, to cause the miraculous to manifest and the name of Jesus to be made famous in Jesus name 
in Jesus' name. Friends, how do you see a miracle? You put a believer in front of a problem. How do you see a move of God? You put a believer in front of someone who's discouraged and bring encouragement. Amen? God bless you guys and thank you for listening.